Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's the 199th episode of Gigpod. We are one away from the promised land of episode 200, but of course nothing will happen. And this is the first of the Gigpod Rewind series. Will it be the last? Quite possibly, but you can all let us know if you want another one, if you do make it through the first five minutes of myself, Stevie, and the main man Rizzo, discussing the madness that was the 114th season of competitive football in Scotland. Yes, we're going to be talking about season 2010-2011. Read so, are your notes like Chris Jericho's The List of Jericho? Fucking back down memory lane for what we can possibly agree was still to this day the most bonkers ever in good old Scottish football. Hello Stevie, hello everyone. No, I've just wrote the words Neil Lennon on paper a hundred times. All working, no play, meet Neil Lennon, adult boy. That's what I've wrote for my notes. Read so remind the listeners, what happened the season before this for any Celtic fans who may have had their brains rotted by TikTok or social media? What happened in 09-10? Well, let's see. We appointed that wonderfully droll, fun, not miserable manager, Tony Mowbray, who was going to bring the real Celtic back and play exciting attacking football, who then lost his job in, I think, March, after a 4-0 defeat away to St Mirren. And then who replaced him? Yes! Neil Lenny Lennon, who had been a sort of assistant manager under uh, Gordon Stratton and then was sort of appointed to a youth team sort of role when uh, Tony Mowbray came in. But he ended up getting the job. He won every league game, managed to lose a Scottish Cup semi final, a championship Ross County 2 0, a truly humiliating defeat. But he still got the permanent manager's job at, uh, at the end of that season, probably thanks to a, a QA type thing he'd done with. Uh, 
with Peter Lowell where the two of them charmed the fans. I don't know if you remember this. I think I asked you about this before and you said you didn't. But the two of them charmed the fans into becoming, into Lenny becoming Celtic manager. So, Peter Lowell, I wonder what happened to him. No, I don't remember that. Although, here's one for you. Do you remember the big furor on uh, forums at the time? There was more than one forum as well. The only forum I tend to look at now is KDS, but there was a few at the time and every forum were going mad at the fact that Lennon under Mowbray, like, I remember you saying he was, like, um, appointed as, like, a youth coach or something, but do you remember there was a game at Ibrooks and Lennon was told he had to travel separately? He couldn't go on the bus for it. He should have been Subway loyal. Subway Lenny. I know we're using new software and all that here, but I was just going to put that terrible partner down to that then, John, I. That was a brilliant joke, but, uh, no, I remember that uh, people were annoyed about that because Lenny was, of course, a Celtic hero, a legend. He'd give it all for the club. It was before he... Turned into the Lenny we know and love nowadays, who, uh, who I've been told actually fact fans could be returning to Scottish football at Ross County. So, but I uh, people were going on ridiculous when Lenny had to make his own way to Ibrox. Wonder if he sat in with the fans as well. See, the other day on the pod for 198, you were calling me Mr. Celtic, right? But do you know that at the end of that 08 09 season, I didn't know you at the time, but I told so many people I could see it happening after we didn't strengthen in January. I just knew it was coming and I knew that that team were going to run out of steam and we had two 0-0 draws that effectively uh, ended the hopes of the title and Rangers ended up winning the first in three seasons up at Tannadice and I remember when we drew 0-0 with Hearts I said I'm, I'm not doing it next season but I gave my season ticket away to someone else of course in my name but I just said I'm, I'm not going to a game that season um, I was scunnered with the way it ended I just knew that we were going to appoint Mowbray it was definitely the wrong man for it I can't remember who I was screaming for at that time, but I just said Mowbray was definitely the wrong man for it. Turned out to be true, but I also wasn't happy at that. Um, I would have loved it if he could prove me wrong. But yeah, the, I think the biggest shot there before we go into all that, John, is the fact that I gave up my season ticket for a season at 102. I was not Mr Celtic. I turned my back on that club that I love. Interestingly enough, I was going to give up my season ticket for 0910, but I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. Tony Mowbray can be as boring as Gordon Stratton was at the end of his last season. So I still had my season ticket, but I stopped going to games week before the season, weeks before the season finished. Although I did go to that win over Rangers, the meaningless game when uh, I think Lee Naylor and Mark Antone, Fortuny even easy for me to say, scored the goals on a Wednesday night. I think I think uh, it was it Kenny Miller scored for Rangers. Uh, great guy. The defeat to Ross County did put a huge dampener on the prospect of Lenny getting the job because I mean we were deservedly beaten two 0 It wasn't like when they beat us in the. The League Cup under Ronnie when we had a guy like sent off. I think Effie Ambrose got sent off in like the first 10 minutes. And this was a, a, a deserved embarrassing defeat. And yet, Lenny got the job. And to be fair to Lenny, I bet you didn't expect to hear that. He actually done very good in season 10-11 up until the very, very end. With it. In a typical Celtic in those days manner, fell to pieces in a, a heartbreaking fashion. John C got into that season, 2010-2011. Uh, what did you do that summer? to distract yourself from the mess that was the previous season. I think um, I went to Athens. I remember going there for like 10 days, just drinking so much mythos and just stuffing my face with that uh, Saganaki. It's like that fried cheese. Oh, brilliant. I love it. If I gave up my season ticket, I was going to go on holiday, but I decided to have one more go and I gave up my season ticket, I think, three years later. And I don't regret that, of course. But no, i never done anything as exciting as uh, drinking loads of booze in Greece. So, uh Sadly, you win that one. Here's a bit of trivia for you. The first Instagram posts were made in July 2010 before Celtic 
kicked off the pre-season. What an application that is. And John, we're on it. We are on it indeed, and you can follow us on it at GigPod. What a plug. Anyway, as I said, there was a lot of outgoings. Arta Boric, uh, my favourite Celtic goalkeeper, went to Fiorentina, and it was like 1.7 million he went for. He started to phone it in uh, in that last season, didn't he? Although he was absolutely tremendous at Ibrox. The game we get beat 1-0, didn't deserve to be in the losing side. It was just outstanding. He just rolled back the years for that one. I mean, there was a couple of games against Rangers that he genuinely just um, played like as if he'd been pissed the night before. But it was outstanding that game. The departure that pretty much funded all our incoming signings, John, was Ada Migidi when he went to Sparta at Moscow for 9.5 million at the time. Good on him for taking the risk to go and play abroad. I mean, did it work out for him? Maybe. I don't think he had the career that everybody expected because for years he was like Celtic's main man. Our tactics for a lot of time under Stratton was give the ball to Aiden and see what he could do. So, it was good money for us. I could understand why we did it, because it had to uh, fund a rebuild, and it was a big rebuild that was needed. But I don't know if really Ed McGeady, I don't know, I don't know what, what you'll look back on his career. I mean, he's, he played a lot of times for Ireland. He won a lot of trophies for Celtic. But I don't know if he ever went to that mythical next level that he looked like he was going to when he like, first came into the Celtics team when he was, I think, 16 or 17. He was a good player, but he, he just didn't turn out to be as good a player, I think, as everybody hoped. And what about Boric then? Um, obviously I was talking about the fact that he was my favourite ever Celtic goalkeeper, still is, but going to Fiorentina for just under £2 million, it was a criminally low fee because he played football, John, for like the next six or seven seasons as well. In fact, no, maybe more than that, he played for another ten years, did he not? He went to Southampton and he was at Legia Warsaw as well after Fiorentina. You've got to remember he wasn't anywhere near as good as he was. I mean, I think his best days were at Celtic, even though he did end up getting a move to the wonderful English Premier League after leaving us. His best days definitely were at Celtic. He was a an amazing goalie for Celtic. I mean, the only one I'd say that's been anything like on his level since then is Fraser Foster, which shows how good a player Boric was for us. But no, I mean, his best days were behind him. Just, his last hurrah really was that game at Ibrox where we lost an injury time, which was a, a right sitting-er. I mean, we probably could have got more money for him, but I think it was for the best that he moved on although I mean he, he is a cult hero maybe he won t- maybe next time we win the league he should present the league trophy that'd, uh, that'd be a good laugh completely neglected to mention when I was doing the notes on this as well and this is maybe a testament to how forgettable it was 2010 John we had the World Cup we did it wasn't very exciting I have to say the wasn't as exciting the final wasn't as exciting as the final last year anyway which is one of the best games of football I've ever seen I'm not sure how many Celtic players were in it that's uh, something I suppose we can talk about... Chad Uri, who'd already actually signed at the start of July. He was from Freiburg and he was representing South Korea. But Efren Juarez as well, highly rated, uh, from Pumas in Mexico. And we signed him, he, out of all the players that we actually brought in, he was the most expensive. Uh, we got him for £3 million, I think it was, it might have just been rising to 4 uh, We already had Key, who would have been playing as well, am I right? Don't forget, we also had someone playing in the World Cup final that had played at Celtic the season before. Edson Braffhead. A great player. No, it wasn't uh, It wasn't very good. But no, I mean, that World Cup wasn't very exciting. I mean, the only interesting thing about the final was the Dutch players trying to kick the Spanish players off the park. But it, it wasn't a very good game at all. And as usual, Scotland won the day. I think this was at a time when, um, like, pre-YouTube compilations, right? Um, you didn't actually have the ITK social media accounts saying how much they knew a player and how good they were going to be. Like, you actually had to research the player via forums and there was Anorax as well 
who follow the lower league English football. Uh, we got Gary Hooper for Scunthorpe though, and I do remember um, seeing a lot of rave reviews about him on like the Scunthorpe forums, and I think as well there was like a English uh, football league show was shown in like Channel 5 at the time. All the goals that he scored was like primarily just happens as well. Like after Scott McDonald, we were missing like a good old fashioned penalty box striker. He had excellent reviews. Uh, there was a lot of good write ups about him. He was a player that I was excited by the most. I thought he would be a good player. I mean, I always thought it was a, it was a gamble signing a player for the lower leagues in England. It always is. But ironically enough, the player that I was most infused about was a player that we signed from the lower leagues in England, Joseph Joel Edley. Because he was a player that, I mean, like, big clubs in England wanted to sign. Not your usual sort of numpty teams. And we managed to get him on a free, which I don't think Cardiff were very happy about. But, I mean, I thought, this is going to be a great signing. He's like a guy that is wanted by clubs. He's, like, young at the start of his career. He'd been excellent for Cardiff, who I think he'd beaten the playoff final the season before they signed for Celtic. So, I mean, they were obviously a, a club on the up. But, no, he was a player I was looking forward to seeing. And also, this might shock people because uh, what he's more known for these days, Anthony Stokes. He'd been linked with Celtic for years and years, of course, when he played for Falkirk. When he played for Arsenal and was in loan at Falkirk, he scored a ton of goals and done a medical, in fact, at Celtic. And he ended up not signing. It took him years, I think, like, three years later, to finally go his move to Celtic. And it has to be said, his partnership with Gary Hooper, which we'll probably talk about later, was absolutely brilliant. And he might be a numpty. In fact, he is a numpty. No might be about it. But Anthony Stokes scored a lot of important goals for us. He stayed too long, but he was a big player for us, so... I think it was those two, really, that I was most looking forward to seeing. You forget some of these players that left. I'm just looking at the list here on that good old website, Wikipedia. Darren O'Dea, who is, of course, at Celtic now, he left on loan to go to Ipswich. Well, that shows how weird that in the 9-10 season was at Celtic when we sent our captain out on loan to Middlesbrough. Just bizarre, really, although, I mean, it did end up making Bruni the captain, and that obviously ended well for everybody. I saw that uh, Kelly and Sheridan also uh, moved on that summer. He went to CSK Sophia. A noted Trumpist, Dominic Servi, went to Dundee and loan. Josh Hoyveld, I mean, even left. Mark Crozas left as well. It was a really big turnover of players. Take your mind back to pre-season of 2010. We get beat off Philadelphia Union. We lost to Man United uh, on the US tour as well. We did beat Seattle Sounders. Uh, we drew with Sport in Lisbon. And then we beat Lincoln City. Well, it was like a Celtic uh, assembled 11 beat Lincoln City. But then it was the Emirates Cup, wasn't it, that everybody was all talking about. That was at the start of August. And it was, of course, uh, four days after we lost to Braga. Uh, Braga beat us 3-0 in the Champions League first leg qualifier. But yeah, the Emirates Cup, John, uh, we drew two each with Leon, and we beat 3-2 off Arsenal. But that was like, a lot. I know the season before, we uh, were the famous winners of that Wembley Cup. But for some reason, like I mean, I remember... So many Celtic fans went down to London for that. Like, if it was nowadays, it would be even more, of course, and people would be taking photos to say, I was there, I was there. That was a massive event. Like, every Celtic fan I knew, other than myself, went down to London for those games against Leon and Arsenal. Bizarrely enough, I didn't go either, and I'm not sure why, because, I mean, I'd made plans to go, but I've sort of done my usual and cancelled at the last minute. Not that I'd do that with podcasts, of course, listeners. I love you too much for that. No, there were big events, and I'm sure if Arsenal or Tottenham decided to do like pre-season tournaments at their stadiums again, and Celtic were invited, the fans would go down in their, their tens of thousands, I'd definitely go this time. I mean, just so I could go to London, that wonderful city. But, no, 
I vaguely remember these games. I think they were on Sky, but I didn't watch them. I don't think. I think I just watched the highlights because even then, I didn't think preseason was that important. And everybody was in a bit of panic because we were going to Inverness first game of the season, and even then, that was a, a dodgy place to go. And of course, we'll talk about that in the pod later on. I mean, the the results in Europe sort of took away for that because we did start badly in Europe that season. Yeah, sadly, we can't just talk about the Emirates Cup for the next half hour. We're going to have to uh, mention Europe. So yeah, Europe was over before we kicked the ball domestically. The Champions League certainly was, uh, and then we found ourselves out of the Europa League as well. So Braga put us out 4-2 on aggregate. And then uh, Utrecht disposed of us very easily at a time when we weren't actually that used to European disgraces, John. Um, Against Braga, I didn't think we were going to be doing anything. To be honest, I felt like Braga were a pretty strong side and that Celtic team were going to take a few months to gel. I just didn't see us meeting the Champions League. The season before, of course, the Champions League, it was Arsenal that beat us. I think 5-1 in aggregate, 2-0 at Celtic Park, 3-1. The Emirates, of course, you had that game where Eduardo blatantly dived as well. Awful. Probably wouldn't have made too much of a difference, to be honest with you. But I remember the Braga game just getting into that St. Namunco at the time when we watched it together. That I just had no faith in the Celtic team getting the result. You know, when you've got really big personalities like your Boriches and McGeady and you're throwing guys in who've barely had any time training together. It's going to be a recipe for disaster, and it was. Um, I think that first leg was three and only six or something. Terrible. Second leg, of course, Celtic Park salvaged a bit of pride, beating them 2-1. But that, it was the Utrecht one for me that was really alarming. Like, I never thought for the rest of the season that it was going to be disastrous. And I never thought that, oh, we're going to see like Mowbray all over again. But you just knew that Celtic, at that time, were still finding their feet. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, maybe if we actually did sneak a win over Utrecht and went through... If we were in the groups with that team at the time, it would have probably been a massacre as well. So maybe it is a good thing that that team were focusing purely on domestic honours only, especially when you've seen them grow as the season went on and they got confidence, John, from domestic results because I think if they had to contend with domestic games and European fixtures, their confidence would have just plummeted and we would have certainly fallen further behind Rangers. I mean, I, I don't I devote a lot of time, mate, because we've got a lot to fit into the pod, but Utrecht was really bad because we won the first leg 2 nothing at Parkhead, eh, Juarez and Samaras, and then like we threw it away in a typical Celtic fashion, like gave away two goals in the first 20 minutes, eh, Van Roelswinkel scored them, then he scored again just after half time, and then they added a fourth near the end with Barry Maguire, who sounds like more like a snooker or a darts player than a football player, and I mean like, the, the league season has already started by then, but actually when we go into the league games we can talk about some interesting and I know we don't usually talk about things like attendances, but it's quite notable that the fans, I think, were a bit unsure about how good we were going to do that season because for a lot of the games, we weren't even getting 50,000, which is a shock when you consider nowadays that, well, we supposedly get like at least 55,000 every game. But I think the fans, the fans at the start of the Laney experiment were a bit unsure. Yeah, so getting into the league campaign then, first eight games, we actually won. I was going to ask you for some highlights um, for myself. You had uh, Paddy McCourt, winner, up at Inverness, where he like, dribbled by five players, scored, and then I think he done his head, didn't he? You can talk about that a bit more. I think you were mentioning that in, that in the pub. I think the Hooper winner against Dundee United, and a game we'll talk about in more detail, you certainly will. You had the player... That massively annoyed me his entire time at Celtic. Well, Lyles said he was a technical genius. Key scored a screamer against St Mirren. We won 4-0. And you had Emilio Izaguiri as well. His performance uh, for Park against Marable stood out. It was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday um, after we get beat against Utrecht. I watched that in a pub. And I was 
really impressed with Azagi. I remember saying he's going to go into be a cracking player for us. It certainly was for a season, but still, people do have fond memories of Emilio. First eight games, John, before we faced Rangers at Celtic Park. We won them all. What were your thoughts and what were your highlights of those eight games? Well, that uh, open game of the season was nervy because I think everybody was a bit panicky we were going to get beat, but Paddy McCourt scored a better then, as you say, got injured in the act of scoring. No, I was at that Manila game, which you weren't. All I remember about it was it was very boring. And uh, the legendary Daryl Murphy scored a rare goal. The the Hearts game, I think this will shock you. I think Hearts went mad about offside decisions. I know it's unlike them. I don't really remember much about the the Hibs game. Heart, actually, the Hamilton game, I remember, that we won 3-1 because Hamilton took the lead in that game. And just before it, Rangers had won uh, at Tynecastle with 10 men. Yes, Rangers, I, I think I'm right, Rangers actually the guy sent off that day, which I know doesn't happen these days, but... Shocking stuff. And, of course, the Dungeon United game, uh, Doogie Gate, was just insane for a million different ways. A game that I was at, I mean, we scored a 89th minute winner, which is always great, to keep pace with Rangers, because Rangers had won every one of their open league games as well, which set it up nicely for the derby. And it was the old firm derby then, because, of course, it's the old Rangers, not the new Rangers. But, yeah, Doogie Gate was a, was, a bit, uh, was a bit mad, if we ever want to talk about that now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, John, you were there. So why don't you remind the listeners of what happened? Right, so what happened with Doogie Gate is, and I'll try and be concise here, Doogie McDonald gave a penalty to Celtic against Dungeons United. Then he changed his mind. But then uh, an assistant referee at the game called Stephen Craven came out and said that they lied to Neil Lennon about why the penalty wasn't awarded, and he then resigned about it. He says it was Hugh Dallas who was the head of referees. He was, uh, it was his fault. Hugh Dallas said it wasn't his fault. Then Hugh Dallas, who was the head of referees, ended up losing his job because of a, a, a sectarian joke he wrote in an email. Dougie McDonald ended up quitting refereeing as well. Look, Celtic were a, Celtic actually... Uh, went ballistic over it with a man namesake, John Reed, And then, after all was said and done, there was a referee strike. The only time there's been a referee strike in all the years I've been watching Celtic, and when you consider all the uh, decisions that have been made, 
in uh, favour of a certain team. It's funny that when uh, a decision goes against Celtic and it was so, shown to be wrong that the referees go on strike. Funny that. But I mean, if you want to read more about it, go to the CelticWiki.com and uh, search Dugagate. Because if we wanted to actually talk about this, it would take about three podcasts because it was genuinely ridiculous and insane. And for once, Celtic were vindicated. People always going about how we're paranoid. And for once, we were right about the referees. Nowadays, it's just other teams that send dossiers to the referees when they're annoyed about decisions. Celtic don't do anything. So there you go. That's a very brief summary of Dugagate, but it's just too long to go into. You know, back when they weren't in the Scottish Championship, Dundee United actually gave us really difficult games. And I know you were at the game, so I'll let you speak about it in a second. But that's probably the main highlight from those opening eight matches. Uh, when we made it 1-0, Gary Hooper was, what a great finish. The way that he swept the ball went to the top of the net to make it 1-0. I think that uh, wonderful guy, David Goodwillie, equalised with a shot deflected. I think maybe off Leuven's or something. Celtic for the entire second half just pounded Dundee United with non-stop pressure. They had that goalkeeper, Dusan Pernis. He was excellent against us. But when that goal went in, honestly, uh, the scenes were incredible. I remember just going utterly mad when it went in. Just felt after the, the penalty um, controversy as well that it was just really vital that we got that goal. And you're talking it was like in the dying seconds, I think. I'm pretty sure it was in like, with 30 seconds or something to play. And one of the things that I noted was anytime Paddy McCourt came on for Celtic in those games, anything he did, it led to a goal, he created so much panic, um, it was like a tornado of chaos wasn't it? <sighs> McCourt was so technical in the ball, it was fantastic to watch and as soon as he came on, um, he's getting by those Dundee United players on the left, I think he tries to lift it up to the back post, It hangs up in the air, there's a shot cleared off the line, comes back in again with Mark Wilson I think and Hooper's in the right place at the right time, just the way I was excited about a right penalty box striker John, he's doing that when maybe the likes of Marc-Antoine Fortuny uh, and Giorgio Samaras, who if they were deployed as number nines for us under Mowbray, they're, they're not really in that type of position to put the ball past the goalie, but Hooper was. It was just a one of those instinctive finishes, but it must have been so amazing being at the game celebrating that. Yeah, I mean, it was great being at the game and everybody went mad when we scored the winning goal. Even me, who, as you know, doesn't get carried away with Celtic. The referee thing didn't make that big an impact because nobody was sure why it had been disallowed. And like... There wasn't as many, like, sort of... Nowadays, you'd just phone somebody or look at that wonderful website, X, to find out what had happened or text them. But, no, it wasn't a great win. And everybody knows that my favourite ever Celtic game was uh, up at Tannadice in 2005 when we beat United 3-2. Craig Bellamy with a hat-trick. But that's got to be up there as well because it was so tense. Like, the desperation to get the goal was Celtic always attacking. And probably doesn't, that doesn't really happen these days because like, we usually get games won early on and there's no real tension I don't know maybe back this season but no that was a, a great day and a great win it set us up nicely for the derby or rather the old firm world series as Sky called it I remember because we played Rangers seven times that season the first and only time that's ever happened I remember that season when we played them every game was so tense and, and on edge and like you weren't worn out by the fact that you played them that many times, you know, and whereas I think this season, if we were to play Rangers maybe seven or eight times, I'd be like, come on. Did you feel that way? Well, one of them wasn't tense when we hammered them, but the rest of them were tense because they were such important games. I'll never happen again because there's obviously no cup replays, and unless we somehow end up playing each other in Europe, which I don't think's ever going to happen, but they have seven derbies in a season like this, we had a tension. That added to the sheer 
spectacle of the season. The fact that we played Rangers seven times, just... I mean, I think we played them six times last season. And obviously they were all tense, especially the games at Hamden. I mean, the last one didn't matter. That was the, that's a different field. That last game last season didn't matter because it was like a dead rubber. But no, every game in this season, all seven mattered. And they were just games that people will always remember. Maybe not the first one, though. No, unfortunately, the first one resulted in a 3-1 loss on the 24th of October 2010, a result that I think many people probably weren't shot with, although the second half capitulation was uh, really disappointing. I think Rangers at that point in the season were significantly better than us, they were also in the Champions League as well, I think they just drew 0-0 with Man United perhaps. Um, I think in the first game they actually no, they beat 1-0, didn't they, at home, they, they definitely drew 0-0 at some stage with Man United. But you could just tell who the more settled side was out of the two favourites for the league. So that was the first game we played Rangers. Uh, six more to go. John, there's some more 2010 trivia. It was the year the WHO declared the swine flu pandemic over. Do you remember that stupid wee virus? Vaguely. Is that the one where they ended up having to kill loads of pigs? Did they? I can't remember that. I just remember my mum and dad came home one time for Turkey. I think they had a flight, like... Five in the morning, and as soon as they came back from Turkey, I said to them, Nice to see you. By the way, I might have swine flu, and they went mental at me. <laughs> they were absolutely going ballistic. And did you have swine flu, or was it a hilarious, hilarious joke? Turned out to just be the humble cold, and then there wasn't swine flu, so yes, everybody uh, moved on. And we will move on from that, John, because yes, uh, we had the long winter where every Celtic game was a struggle to decide to go to because it felt like minus 15 from November onwards until the end of January. You had the ref strike as well, and it was foreign referees who were in charge, foreign officials, sorry, were in charge when we drew to each win for Ness at the end of November. We were unbeaten, other than a game on November the 10th, 2010 against Hearts at Tynecastle. Very interesting one for you. On that date, uh, Rangers played Hibs at home as well, and they get beat 3-0 while we lost 2-0 at Tynecastle. We did beat Aberdeen 9-0 uh, at the start of November. And John, here's one for you. Can you name all the Celtic scorers from that game? Gary Hooper get a hat-trick. Anthony Stokes get a hat-trick. Paddy McCourt was one an own goal. Yes. Uh, I don't know who scored the own goal then. Some Aberdeen jobber. And was uh, Thomas Rogney, did he score? Eight out of nine. I'll give you that. Um, I would not have got anything other than... Uh, Two hat-trick scorers and McCourt. I didn't even realise it was an own goal. And it was Joseph Ledley, John, who scored the other one. So there you go. But yeah, John, after the 9-0 win over Aberdeen, we beat at Tynecastle. And then we were unbeaten, but we did have four draws and amongst all the uh, unconvincing wins. What were your memories of the winter of 2010 when, as I said, that every game just felt as if it was Baltic at Celtic Park? It was certainly freezing that particular winter. And of course, um, we also had a game at Ibrox on the 2nd of January in that time. Well, we also beat Simon 1-0 away from home with a last-minute uh, Gary Hooper goal set up by Paddy McCourt, which was a, a huge win. But yet, we drew three home games in a row. I mean, we drew one each Dungeon United, gave we a goal in like, the 94th minute equaliser. Drew to each with Inverness when we were leading 2 nothing in the second half. And me and my cousin Heather went to see Madness that night. That's the only thing I remember about that. So that... And for the next game was the 27th of November, and the weather was that bad. We didn't play again until the 21st of December when we drew one each with Kilmarnock, and I think the coldest game ever, which I didn't go to because it was cold. I'm embarrassed to say. I know you did. But no, I mean, 
when you look at the end, end of the season, they three draws in a row were really costly, especially drawing two where Vernet's when you're two 0 up in the second half and gain away a ninety fourth minute goal or whatever it was to Dundee United, that's really bad. Kamala, I think we came back to make it one each. Connor Salmon scored for Kelly. That really was a missed opportunity and they would really come back their results would come back to bite us when you look at what happened at the end of the season. But no, the weather was terrible. I mean I'm one for foot games and I think that Kamala game was I think one of the coldest games ever at Celtic Park. I'm glad I wasn't there because I'm not Mr Celtic, unlike you, who were there. So the ref who took charge of the game against Inverness for us, what country was he from? Slovakia. Wrong, it was Luxembourg. Do you know in my head, I actually thought it was an Israeli ref, and I'm glad it's not, but I thought it was an Israeli ref because I know that it was referees from Israel, uh, Eastern Europe, um, but it turns out, yeah, there was uh, Luxembourg refs as well. And that all came, John, because of the big fallout over Hugh Dallas uh, and Dougie McDonald getting found out and referees took the huff, despite the fact that they made an absolute arse of the situation. I'm shocked and stunned that Scottish football referees could be that pay. That tweet straw with Inverness, I remember getting food poisoning from Celtic Park after biting into... And then stupidly congesting a pie that was not cooked. Absolute nightmare. I was ill for like a few days after that one. Nevertheless, I did have a good Christmas uh, and a decent new year because the highlight, of course, was a 2-0 win over Rangers. It was Samurai Sunday. No one had a clue what day it was in that winter period. I was actually convinced it was a Monday we played them. I didn't realise it was a Sunday. But yeah, uh, I don't think anybody expected that result. And John, that was a game that you had a chance for a ticket for. Like myself, you were convinced that Celtic were going to get hammered. You didn't take a ticket. And what happened? We won 2-0 and one of your greatest ever wins at Ibrooks. It was a bit reminiscent of the game this season against Rangers where, as you know, I thought we'd get hammered. Although this time was worse because I still had my season ticket and this was shocking, listeners. Back then, for away tickets, Celtic used to send you a letter to tell you that you'd got tickets. And I got offered tickets and I didn't go and get them. I thought, it's £44 or whatever. We're going to get hammered, I'd rather just watch it in the pub and then of course we won 2-0 one of our greatest ever wins as I said at Ibrox, Sammy putting his cell into Celtic folklore with two well, one superb goal, one penalty but I did make up for it though by drinking myself into a vomit inducing stupor that night I remember but uh, no, that that was pretty amazing because nobody saw it coming, we had so many players injured and suspended Gary Hooper was injured Scott Brown was suspended after a booking against Motherwell. Nobody gave us a hope. And Lenny, shortly enough, when you look back at his last Celtic managerial job, came up with some tactical genius. And I mean, he played Paddy McCourt up front. That, and James Forrest sort of was up front at times as well. That's how stretched Celtic were. But no, an amazing win, an amazing day, and an amazing hangover the next day. Christmas 2010. What did you ask Santa for? Right, I don't remember what I get for Christmas really every year. Apart from Aftershave, I always get that. And books of my cousins. But no, I no, don't remember 2010. Although I bet you do remember what you got for Christmas in 2010. I think I was, uh, I had the PlayStation, was it PlayStation? Ah, I had the PlayStation 3 then. So I think I would have got a couple of games. I can't remember. I think my big game was Modern Warfare 2 the year before. But for 2010, I don't actually remember what I got. I don't remember what game it was. I couldn't uh, tell you. I just... I think that was that's all I was doing was playing Modern Warfare for like a good two years solid Modern Warfare two, and then Modern Warfare three came out in like twenty eleven. So I think yeah, I think it was just closing money, and just wasted the uh, money on games, crap games for the PlayStation three because nothing was as good as Modern Warfare two. So there you go. 
Well, John, I'm sure the listeners uh, will be wanting to hear more about my festive experience in 2010 and, of course, New Year of 2011. But we'll have to just end it there because, yes, this has been the end of part one of GigPod Rewind when we look back at the 2010-2011 season. What a laugh that was in 2011, John. Will be even more of a laugh. I'm sure you can't wait to talk about that in part two. I'm excited already. Right, well, thanks for joining me, Reed. So I know you'll be uh, joining me for part two. You won't be leaving me hanging. And I certainly know that Dan, when you've done, won't even remember. He didn't even remember what happened uh, last week, never mind like 10 years ago. But yes, you'll be joining me for part two. So, where can everybody listen to part two? They'll be able to find that next week on the. Every podcast platform, all the usual places, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And, of course, everybody should know to like and subscribe, 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 subscribe on those websites to uh, build the numbers up even more. And, of course, that will be episode 200 next week. What, a, what an exciting episode that will be. And here's what we'll be doing in Mark. it be episode 200. That's right. Nothing. Sorry, listeners. But you can get us on all the usual podcast platforms. You know where. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's what we want you to do on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on all the other podcast platforms. We need more subscriptions, so get those numbers up. You can catch Stevie on Instagram at GigPod, where he's got loads of great content. Not on threads, that forgotten website. We will be back next week, episode 200, part two, season rewind, 2010-2011, with loads more insanity, and I genuinely do mean insanity. Right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Hope this uh, new audio feed that we're working works out for everybody. Fingers crossed and hail hail. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.